Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Maybe just a little bit more, not in that key number zone. I would have just taken money line because that was the easiest way to lock in plus money on both sides. But I thought, you know, four and a half, this could land one, two, three, or four. I'm not convinced that the Rams are that substantially better than the Bengals. So got lucky, and that's kind of what you need when you get a middle. So uh, got lucky. Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup led them on the big drive to win Super Bowl 56. Yeah, I uh, got lucky too. And I was kind of with you there, Wes. I, I, I like the Rams' money line. But I felt four and a half was a little too much. Right. And I thought the line was so good. I really did think that that was the right number and this game realistically could fall on three or four points. I said that on the Pro Football Blitz with James Salinas. Actually hit a prop bet uh, better than 18 to 1, plus 18.50, that the Rams would score exactly 23 points. And I also had plus 475 that the game would be decided by exactly three points. Yeah, and, and and there you went there because uh, Bengals took the lead, just couldn't finish it off. And, you know, credit to the Rams. I know Matthew Stafford had two interceptions in the game, even though that one was really on Squaronic more than it was on Matthew Stafford because the ball went off his hands. But, you know, when he needed to, and I kind of referenced that 49ers-Bengals Super Bowl from 1989 when you remember when Joe Montana was trying to calm his guys down and he just looks on the sideline to Harris Barton and goes, look, it's John Candy. And that settled the guys down, and they got that winning drive at the end. So I was like, who's on the sidelines to be Matthew Stafford's John Candy? Because when they needed to, he proved that he's a big-time quarterback in this league, and they got that drive down the field and held on. Aaron Donald, of course, made the big plays at the end there, the stop on third and one, and then rushing Joe Burrow to make him kind of fling it forward. The MVP voting was actually already voted on because that's kind of a detail that I think is unknown to a lot of the casual fans. I I didn't know that either. you got to have that in by the two minute warning because I know Shereen Williams who is a longtime NFL beat writer for the Dallas Morning News I'm not sure if she's still with that paper but she's still covering the NFL pointed out yeah we got to have this in with two minutes left to go because you could have made an argument for Aaron Donald to win MVP not that Cooper Cup is not deserving I think he absolutely is but Aaron Donald made the two plays of the game and look we saw him priced pretty low as an MVP winner like 12 to 1 to 16 to 1 in that range so you know, the voting, I think, because it got in early. And that's why I think there was one book uh, that had it up still at the end where Cooper Cup was like minus 175. Stafford was like plus 150 or something. And Aaron Donald was like 10 to 1. They still had MVP voting up after the game before they were going to announce it. 
Yeah, and Donald, before the matchup was set, if you recall, I believe in the divisional round, he was like 25 to 1. So right. a lot of betting implications, really. And and that was news to me. I didn't understand that they had to have it in prior to the two-minute warning. And that seems kind of, uh, I, I don't know, it, it it's ironic. Right. You know, I mean, the last two minutes of the game, it's the most deal. pivotal yeah. part of the game. Absolutely. I mean, Joe Montana, you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and that drive. I mean, that was about two and a half minutes left in that game, if mm-hmm. I recall. And you're telling me that uh, the MVP maybe wasn't decided at the end in that one. How, how'd you do on your prop bets? Uh, went a little bit over 500. I think I went seven and five overall. I actually could have maybe gotten one there at the end because I had Matthew Stafford at under five and a half rush yards. So he takes one knee and they're down to six yards. So you thought you were going to get that Mahomes situation right. from a couple years ago against San Francisco and uh, Zach Taylor did still have one timeout, which I'm surprised he didn't use. I know the game was considered like a foregone conclusion, but you never know. Mm -hmm. They may botch a snap and all of a sudden, you know, you got a scrum and you come up with the football and he elected to take that one timeout with him. Didn't use it. If he used that next timeout that he had left, Stafford probably takes another knee and loses yards, and you probably cast that under five and a half. That's why I was saying in the first quarter when Matthew Stafford had that seven-yard run, it was like, be careful. Don't don't cast this one just yet because we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes two years ago. I did hit Odell Beckham Jr. for the first touchdown of the game. That was a nice one at eight to one and also had Matthew Stafford to throw an interception. I had more than one and a half interceptions for the game. Hit that one uh, first quarter, uh, quarter over nine and a half points that just barely got there no score in the first seven and a half minutes of the game I did six and a half minutes and 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 laid 115 115 okay yeah I I went ahead and bought the extra minute there where you could get plus 150 or plus 155 Mm -hmm. just and and I thought that price was so much more attractive again James Salinas and I spoke about this on the pro football blitz you could go five and a half minutes and that was like minus 150 right and I decided, you know, to go to seven and a half minutes. And, and that was also uh, thanks to our buddy Frank B. Mm-hmm. If you recall, he mm-hmm. was on with Mitch and Polly prior to the Super Bowl. And he talked about that prop bet specific, uh, specifically. And I thought it made a lot of sense yeah. there. To just for another minute or two, you can really change that price. Yeah, and I've played that over the years. I've played the 630 and have cashed more often than not. So, look, these props are always interesting. Kind of the game within the game. I talked about that Stafford prop. There was also some uh, controversy. Controversy, controversy on the uh, on the interwebs and on the Twitter machine about the uh, players to throw a pass attempt because that's one that I play you know every couple years over two and a half so you know the two quarterbacks are going to throw but is somebody else going to throw is there going to be a fake punt are you going to get a, a kicker, running back right? or a receiver or a kicker and what happened of course the Rams had the bad snap on the extra point so they threw so people thought okay that's the pass attempt that's over three and it was not so uh, that was much to I think everybody's chagrin including mine because that's not not an official pass attempt because it was like over two and a half plus like 160 or 170 depending on where you got it and then of course Joe Mixon went ahead and threw that touchdown so I tweet now that is over two and a half (laughs) pass attempts so now we can end this debate on the Twitter machine I think I heard him say something like uh, Mixon had not thrown a pass since high school right and and that was a heck of a pass yeah it was I thought it might be like Chase or somebody like that or I thought maybe you could see Johnny Hacker who by the way has a decent little arm 
arm for a punter, and we've seen the Rams pull off those fake punts. So that's why I was looking at that, that at some point there's going to be a trick in this game because you kind of saw how it played out. Neither team could really run the football. Cincinnati was a little bit more effective, certainly, than the Rams, but neither team was going to be able to really run the football on the other, and that's why I thought we wouldn't have a 100-yard rusher in this game. I think the prop on that was like minus 225 for no 100-yard rusher. That easily got there, but it's so weird, Brady, here, seeing how uh, pro football is played now, Super Bowl 56. We had a team win the Super Bowl, win the world championship, the Vince Lombardi trophy, averaging 1.9 yards a carry. It's like, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. That that absolutely can't happen, and uh, that's just the way the NFL has played. You better be able to throw the football and dink and dump a little bit, and the Rams are certainly able to do that. Well, let's take a look at Super Bowl 2023 coming up. Super Bowl 57 already. The numbers are out, and the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs are your favorites, both at plus 750. You know, I said this on the Pro Football Blitz, too. I really didn't feel like the Rams and the Bengals were necessarily the best two teams in football. I I, I thought the Buffalo Bills were outstanding and kind of a shame that uh, one of those teams had to lose that game with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Bills and the Chiefs both at plus 750. Uh, The Cowboys and the Bengals at 12 to 1. The 49ers at 16 to 1. Uh, one that kind of uh, caught my attention was the Baltimore Ravens at 20 to one. Mm-hmm. They, they, they always seem to uh, seem to be in the mix. You, you and I obviously handicap golf tournaments, Wes, and you just want to have a guy that's, you know, around the first page of the leaderboard on Sunday. The Baltimore Ravens feel like they're on the first page of the leaderboard every year, you know? They they do, and they have a new defensive coordinator there in Baltimore, and obviously Lamar Jackson dealt with injuries, dealt with positive COVID-19 tests on multiple occasions, so yeah, you could certainly look there. I'll just go uh, briefly from the top of the board. The teams at the top, I think, have the least amount of question marks, but they still have question marks. You look at the Buffalo Bills, Brian Dable is now gone. He is the head coach of the New York Giants, so Ken Dorsey, the former Miami Hurricane national championship quarterback takes over as offensive coordinator and maybe you know they just keep going along like I don't think Josh Allen is going to totally regress but it's like he was so tied with Brian Dable there. So there's a question mark there. There's a question mark in Kansas City in terms of maybe Eric Bieniemy. Is he going to renew his contract? And and just looking at these, so I don't think the favorites, I think that they are just kind of there almost by default. I don't think they're necessarily clearly running away as, as the favorites. And then you go down in the middle of the board there, Denver Broncos 16-1. to That's already assumed in the market that they are going to get some kind of higher-end starting quarterback. Now, it could be Aaron Rodgers. Well, it's it interesting. They're 16 to one, and so are the Packers. Right, right. Yeah, and that's obviously going to change based on where number 12 goes. But you look at that Broncos price, it could be Aaron Rodgers. It could be maybe like a Jimmy Garoppolo. So the Broncos, probably where they stand right now, putting aside the quarterback issue, should probably be in the 30 ish, I think, to mm-hmm. one range mm-hmm. right now. But yeah. it's already assumed, okay, they're going to get a new quarterback. They get a new head coach. They're about to have new ownership. We're going to see who's going to be able to win the bid for that team here this spring. So that's why you're seeing the Broncos already discounted in the market. Your Indianapolis Colts uh, reportedly Chris Mortensen of ESPN reports that he expects Carson Wentz to be moved on or before March 19th. And the Colts uh, sitting here at about 25 to one. Yes, 25 yeah. to one to be next year's Super Bowl champ. And maybe we'll have a new man at quarterback. A lot of people again. like that roster. If you talk to a lot of the numbers guys or the analytics guys, they like the way that roster is put together. But 
you know, they need to make an improvement at quarterback, I think. And then Gus Bradley comes in as a defensive coordinator. So you got to think that's very good for Darius Leonard, who's the best player on that defense, and move those linebackers around, let them rush the passer a little bit more. So Colts might be one of those middle teams that I think you can look at at 25 to 1. One longer shot that caught my attention also, uh, Wes, the Las Vegas Raiders at 50 to 1. See about uh, Josh McDaniel and his new project with. Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back to the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds in for Patrick Maher and Michael Lombardi on this post-Super Bowl Tuesday and continuing the NFL talk, the NFL conversation a little bit here, Wes, the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, some some trouble down there in Glendale, and then the Minnesota Vikings. We were expecting that they were going to have a new coach later this week, and it looks like maybe that's on hold for a minute. Well, because I want to cycle back to the point you made where you're like, I don't know if the Rams and the Bengals were necessarily the two best teams, and that's why they're not favorite, of course, for Super Bowl 57. Usually the two teams that get to the Super Bowl, unless there's something dramatic, somebody's retiring or what have you, that they're going to be the favorites the following year. We kind of saw that this year with Kansas City and Tampa Bay. They were right up there at the top of the list. But the Rams... All of a sudden, it's like, hey, are they going to want to run this back? Because Tampa Bay stayed the favorite because everybody was coming back. You had a lot of guys sign one-year contracts that were kind of veteran guys that said, okay, we want to come back and try to win back-to-back championships here in Tampa Bay. You look at what's going on with the Rams right now. There was a report on Sunday, I believe, in the New York Post from Andrew Marchand, Mm -hmm. who is like the sports media critic or writer, rather, for the New York Post. And he said – 
there's expected to be some offers for Sean McVay, and there's some speculation that maybe Sean McVay, even though he's only 36 years old, uh, would at least temporarily retire and maybe go do television and maybe Monday night football because we know that the musical chairs and the broadcast booths are kind of changing right now. Al Michaels expected to leave NBC and go to Amazon, and is Troy Aikman going with him? That leaves a seat open at Fox next to Joe Buck on their number one team in the booth. So if Sean McVay maybe goes and does television, well, then if that happens, the Rams need a head coach who was expected to be the next Vikings head coach was one Kevin O'Connell, who is the offensive coordinator for Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. And this was uh, apparently a tweet that I just saw. It wasn't directly from Paul Allen, but apparently Paul Allen said it on his radio show. And if you don't know who Paul Allen is, you've probably heard him on this very network on follow the money with Mitch and Pauly here on VEASAN. He is the radio play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Vikings, also does a show every day on KFAN up in Minneapolis. And he said... Look, I was expected to report and go to an event on Thursday, which you would assume would be Kevin O'Connell being announced as the Minnesota Vikings head coach. And now he's been told not to. So is that on hold? Because maybe there's some smoke to this fire that Sean McVay is going to retire and that Kevin O'Connell, you would think if they stay in house, is going to be the logical successor being promoted from offensive coordinator to head coach. Yeah, and maybe uh, Raheem uh, Morris as well. I thought he did a heck of a job uh, as the defensive coordinator there for the Rams. I think maybe their best defensive defensive effort all season was the NFC Championship game against San Francisco, holding that team to just two and a half yards rushing per carry. Uh, I thought that was a tremendous effort. We'll see if Raheem Morris uh, is elevated back into a head coaching position. Of course, he was uh, interim for the Atlanta Falcons before going over was the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a couple seasons and and does Tom Brady come back you know Mm -hmm. he is he is kind of left that window open we talked a little bit about Kyler Murray and there seems to be some frustration in Arizona they are listed at 20 to 1 to win the Super Bowl next year Uh, obviously they got out to a tremendous start this year then really faded down the stretch Uh, DeAndre Hopkins injury was a big deal Uh, but I don't know about this team going forward you know they did not really impress me right Uh, you know the the way they just kind of faded away. They could never win at home either. Like Cliff Kingsbury, if you look at those spread trends, very good as a road underdog, not so much in the playoffs against the Rams, but as a home favorite, they have really been shaky. And that's what we've seen with Kingsbury down the stretch early on. They're really good, but you know, last couple months of the season, they start to fade. And you saw that, I think when he was the Texas tech head coach. So in terms of these odds, obviously they're going to change very early out for super bowl 57, but it's going to be the quarterbacks. You've got several teams looking for, for quarterbacks, maybe Arizona, if this Kyler Murray impasse doesn't work itself out. But Pittsburgh's looking for a quarterback. Indianapolis is looking for a quarterback. Tampa Bay is looking for a quarterback. And even several more teams that you might not think might be looking. But if somebody comes available, maybe like an Aaron Rodgers, then all of a sudden they're looking for a quarterback. Well, the football season anyway, done come and gone. My oh my. So now we have hockey, the NBA, college basketball. Hopefully baseball comes back around eventually. Of course, you and I week in and week out, looking at the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, the European Tours. Um, Have you been betting all of these sports now that football season has come to a close? I know you you typically dabble in college hoops, but NBA hockey, have you jumped into that as well? Yeah, I've been in college hoops pretty much on a day-to-day basis, and I consider that to be one of my my specialty sports, if you will. So I bet that year-round. What I've been doing a little bit different this year at the NBA, I have not been doing a lot of pre-flop stuff. Mm -hmm. Because I felt, you know what? 
I'm okay, but I'm not as good as I should be to make it worth my while. So what I've been doing with the NBA is playing a lot of like second halves and some in games. Hockey, basically, that's a sport I know, but I just don't have the time to like dip into it. So a lot of that is just like following some people that I respect and kind of listening to them. You know, maybe uh, maybe listen to everyone, follow no one. I've often heard that being said, but. You just don't have the time necessarily to do all these sports. So now we're getting into new betters, especially uh, those in the uh, service advisory business, quote unquote, or the uh, tout <laughs> business, whatever you want to call it. Because I saw some tweets after the Super Bowl ended was like, okay, now everybody's going to be a college basketball expert. And I was like, ABS, always be selling. You got to sell something now that you don't have football to sell. But nevertheless, betters are going to be kind of getting into this. So probably the next couple weeks is going to be a lot of catch up. So I think you want to be a little careful. You just don't want to dive into the deep end of the pool. I mean, dip your toe in. Maybe if you only know one particular conference, if you're down south and you're in SEC country, concentrate on the SEC. And then as you go along, read a little bit more, and then maybe you can get to betting into some conference tournaments. And then of course, March Madness. I have not made a hockey bet all season long. And probably well, if, you bet, if you like to bet underdogs in hockey, you ain't been winning. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the NBA too, of course, that favorite run that they have been yeah. on as of late. I've dabbled in a little bit of NBA just for really entertainment purposes. I have not made a college basketball bet yet this season either. And I'm actually going to be going to the Final Four, West. I'm very excited about nice. that. The first time in my life to go to the Final Four in New Orleans this year. So just in about the last three weeks, I've started to really pay attention to college basketball and try and get in the swing of things here. And these conference schedules only have a half dozen yeah. games or so left. So, you know, pretty soon we're, we're almost to March. Right. You know, we're, we're mid-February right. here. You're, you're going to have conference championships coming up uh, pretty soon here. But uh, I'm very excited for college basketball. I will get into that as far as betting other sports. But you talked about NBA. I haven't really bet a lot of NBA in a long time. I do believe it is the most uh, ripe sport for mm -hmm. in-game betting mm -hmm. because one thing you can count on with the NBA is the ebb and flow. Yes. It always seems to go back. Every every game is made up of runs, right? And, and it seems to go back and forth and, and it just feels like sometimes the in-game option is more mm -hmm. predictable than going ahead and uh, betting the game before uh, tip-off. Exactly right, Brady. And I do want to give a plug for one of our colleagues. John Von Tobel does a piece at vcin.com pretty much every day breaking down the NBA slate and, you know, has his recommendations or what he's leaning, but he really runs the numbers in terms of how many points per possession this team gives up without a certain player. Like when Rudy Gobert goes out for the Jazz, obviously the defense is going to get worse. Well, JVT in his column at vcin.com runs those numbers. So, that's something maybe if you don't want to bet it pre-flop, those are insightful things that he brings up in that column that you can use for in-game and, and whatnot when you run all these advanced numbers and JVT really takes a deep dive into that. So that's a little bit what I've been doing is just kind of not only evaluating that, but looking in the market for the NBA. You know, you got to watch the screen a little bit, I think, for second half and for some in-game stuff because the pre-flop, I think, is so hard because especially now in the season in the NBA, Brady, we're about to get to the all 
All-Star break. So it's kind of like this is the dog days of the season where it's like, man, we can't wait to get to that All-Star break. And then once that's over, then it's time to make a playoff run. My schedule is very convenient because you mentioned uh, college basketball being one of your areas of expertise. I really, uh, you know, focus on the NFL and golf. Those are probably my Mm -hmm. areas of expertise, the NFL and the PGA Tour. And their schedule is really nice because golf is basically beginning as football ends. Right. And I never have to concentrate or juggle too many different sports at one time. Uh, and I know you've been getting into the golf and, and football and everything else. I mean, I, I think you're juggling more sports at one time than I am. Yeah, and I, that's why I've been trying to cut down a little bit, especially like on hockey and pre-flop NBA. It's like time is your most valuable resource is a better. I mean, you know, money matters too, but time is your resource. So you want to devote to what you think that you're best at, and that's what I've been doing. I had to take kind of an inventory of my time, and it's worked out for me. Well, we are going to get into your wheelhouse next and take a look at the college basketball slate for Tuesday right here on the Lombardi Line. has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VEASAN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April the 4th for only $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit VEASAN.com slash madness to sign up today. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you inside the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. And we want to talk a little college hardwood, Wes. You mentioned certainly that is an area that you specialize in. And, of course, uh, you are a member, an alum of the Big Ten. That's Mm -hmm. where we're going to start. Penn State hosting Michigan State. This is a 3.30 Pacific, 6.30 p.m. Eastern tip. The Spartans opened up as two-and-a-half-point favorites. And I saw it get bet up to three Mm -hmm. earlier this morning, Wes. That has gone away. It has come back down with a little bit of Penn State money there, and we're pretty much at two and a half across the board. The fa- uh, the total for the game at 129 and a half, and Michigan State, of course, coming off of a win over your Indiana Hoosiers on Saturday. Penn State has lost three in a row. They have lost to Michigan State 13 out of the last 15 meetings. Yeah, Sparty has certainly dominated them, but for this game, that was right in line with my number, two and a half on Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State did get the better of Indiana on Saturday. I thought really out-toughed them in the second half. It was a 76-61 to 61 win. So uh, Michigan State uh, didn't really particularly shoot the ball that great, but the defense and I think the rebounding, they were just more physical than Indiana. Now they go to Penn State, and you look at Penn State's record, certainly not that impressive. First-year head coach, by the way, is Micah Shrewsbury, Indianapolis guy. So uh, Shrewsbury, by the way, was on the staff for Matt Painter at Purdue, was with Brad Stevens, with the Boston 
Celtics, of course, uh, they had some Butler ties as well. So you look at Penn State and they're nine and twelve, and they're not a really talented team, but they're usually a team that is a, what we call a tough customer. Brady, mm-hmm. they're 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 not all that talented, but but they're tough to beat in these situations. And Penn State, pretty much every year, doesn't matter who's coaching them, they tend to knock off one or two big boys at home in the Bryce Jordan Center in the conference. Uh, they've already beaten Indiana at home. They beat uh, Rutgers at home. They beat Iowa at home in double overtime. That was probably their best home win. But if you look at their three straight losses, they did lose by two at Wisconsin, had a chance at the end, just couldn't make the shot. They only lost by one at home to Michigan. And then they lost by six to Minnesota, where Minnesota was kind of in a decent spot at home because they had lost at Nebraska. The previous game in Nebraska was winless in the Big Ten. So that was kind of like the buy on weakness spot for the Gophers. And they got Penn State 76 to 70. So, you know, this is a team that's a pretty good defensive team. They don't really allow much at the rim, 45.4%. That's 24th best in the country. So I didn't really see any value here. So this was one that uh, I passed. I will wait to see if there's an in-game or a second half, but this is right in line with my numbers. Are you a buyer on Michigan State and the Spartans as far as the postseason goes and this team to possibly cut down the nets in early April? Usually, you know, Tom Izzo, it's right about this time of the year where he starts to really heat up. Right. And he's been ahead of schedule this year. They've been good for a couple of months now, have the Michigan State Spartans. But uh, what are your thoughts about this team? Yeah, are they going to make and, another and, run? And look, it's never a good idea necessarily to bet against Tom Izzo in March. But Michigan State's got some flaws. Number one, they turn the ball over way too much. They are dead last in the Big Ten in terms of turnover percentage. They turn it over in about 20.5% of their possessions. Now, this is a team that does a good job, you know, chasing screeners, and, you know, they're very good defending pick and roll and ball screen action in terms of the fact that they don't give up a lot for the three. They are the best in the Big Ten Conference at defending the three, but... Yeah, yeah, there's something missing with this team. I don't think this Michigan State team, even though maybe Max Christie can emerge next year, but I don't think this team like has the superstar that they've had in the past where it's like, okay, that dude's going to go get us a bucket when we need it. I keep waiting for the Duke Blue Devils to slip, but they have not. Uh, they continue to just churn out wins, it seems like, week after week. They will be at home, the Blue Devils hosting the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest, and the Demon Deacons have been seeing the money here, Wes, the Blue Devils opened up as 11-point favorites. It's down to 9.5 and, and a lot of shops now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Demon Deacons have been surprisingly pretty darn good this season. They just fell to Miami over the weekend as 7-point favorites. But Duke looking to pull off the season sweep of Wake Forest. They won in Winston-Salem earlier this season, 76-64, to about a month ago. Uh, it does seem like a lot of points to me, Wes. But uh, if this game is not to your liking, what about Duke? I talked to you about Michigan State and their chances to win it all in Coach K's swan song season. Looks like this team has what it takes. Well, Duke certainly has the high-end talent there with Paulo Bonchero, who's going to be a very high lottery pick here coming June. And then uh, uh, Trevor Keels, Mark Williams has been very good. So they've continued to recruit well. And John Shire, of course, is going to take over for Coach K next year. He's already off to a good start. I think he already has three five-star McDonald's All-American signs. So at least in the short term, after Coach 
Coach K, Duke is going to still be able to continue to get players, and that's what they've been doing for the better part of the last three decades. But I do lean Wake Forest here in the spot. I would like to see the number go back up a little bit, maybe reach 10 or more, because Duke did beat Wake Forest actually on January 12th, beat him 76-64 in Winston-Salem. We've had a down ACC this year, Brady. That's kind of been one of the topics of uh, college basketball. I was like, wow, this ACC just isn't really good. Yeah. Like Duke is a tournament lock. And then you look, nobody quite yet at lock status, but there's people that I think are on the good side of the bubble, if you were more than likely to make the tournament. And one of them being Steve Forbes and Wake Forest, 20 and six, 10 and five in the conference. I think Wake Forest would probably be in the tournament. I think Notre Dame might squeak in North Carolina, but this would be the thing if Wake Forest can somehow win in Cameron, which Virginia did about a week and a half ago, if they can do that, then that locks them in the NCAA tournament. And this Wake Forest team ha- has has been very good. These are actually, in terms of effective field goal percentage, these are the two best teams in the ACC in terms of defense, in terms of defensive efficiency, in terms of effective field goal percentage on defense. So, you know, looking at that total, 150 and uh, – but, you know, it looks high. I, I may wait to like in game it. I want to see how long, you know, if this is a quick start or a slow start. But 150 with the two best defenses in the ACC seemed a little high to me on first glance. Well, someone's hearing you because there are a couple of shops here in town that have ticked down to 149 and a half for that total. Still a lot of 150s out there. Let's talk about some Big 12 basketball. The Oklahoma Sooners hosting the Texas Longhorns. Texans, Texas has faced a heck of a schedule. Five straight-ranked opponents. They'll get another one in Texas Tech this Saturday. And in between, they have the Sooners here on Tuesday night in Norman. And Oklahoma has lost four of their last five games. Texas, of course, beat Oklahoma earlier this season, 66-52 to in Austin. And not a whole lot of movement here. The Longhorns opened up as a one-and-a-half-point road favorite, Wes. And it looks like Oklahoma's taken a little bit of money here. Pretty much a consensus one-point favorite are the Longhorns now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not a it, it's not a surprise here. Uh, Texas kind of dominated Oklahoma actually in the first meeting, and I didn't really know what to do with the size because Porter Moser's guys are very capable, and you saw what Oklahoma did recently, uh, beating Texas Tech at home, who was higher than a firecracker, one of the hottest teams in the country. So Oklahoma has proven, even though they're only four and eight in the league and fourteen and eleven overall, they can step up against good competition. This is a team that's got to win over Arkansas. This is a team that's beaten Florida, Iowa State. Texas Tech won at West Virginia, so they're very capable. But if you go back to that first meeting down there in Austin in the Irwin Center, 66 to 52 was the final score. Texas absolutely took everything away from Oklahoma, and I think that they can do so again. The concern for Texas, I think, is is offense. Uh, the defense under Chris Beard in his first year in Austin has been very good. Chris Beard's teams are always good defensively everywhere he's been. But you worry, even though the numbers don't look like they're that bad, you watch this Texas team and they have struggle in terms of scoring the basketball at times and this offense can go away. We saw it Saturday against Baylor where competitive game, Baylor was down and very shorthanded and Texas could just do nothing offensively. So nothing on the side for me, but I would maybe be looking at the total. I know it's low at 124 and a half. There's some 125 out there as well, but I'd be inclined to go under again in this series. 
you know, even going back to the Lon Kruger days, I didn't really like laying Oklahoma as a favorite, but it feels like mm-hmm. they're pretty good as a home dog. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what they are here. A very short one tonight against Texas, uh, against Texas. All right, real quick, Wes, one more game. I want to get your opinion on Memphis coming off of a big win over Houston. They will take on Cincinnati and uh, just, you know, looking at this game right out of the gate, it feels like a possible letdown spot to me for Memphis. Yeah. That and- was a big win. Yeah. And this is, now up to three, so it's like, do you believe Penny Hardaway? And we know that team's had some friction all year with the coach and with the players, some of the veteran guys not liking these one-and-done freshmen, getting all the run and getting all the playing time and all the accolades. But Memphis did go down to Houston and beat Houston. Houston had not lost at home all season and beat them by 10. So you would kind of think that this is going to be a letdown spot, but it's like, do you believe, okay, Memphis, we know they have the talent. Do you believe that now they're going to start to go on a run here middle of February and into March. Uh, small lean at this point, the Cincinnati plus three, but no bet as of yet. Memphis 4-0 against the spread in their last four games. We come back and Will Hill will join us right here on the Lombardi Line. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. more than the final score with one game parlay at BetMGM. One game parlay is designed to help you make a selection within a single game from over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account and create your best parlay before the game starts. New to BetMGM? Sign up today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 with the bonus code VSIN1000. Plus, you'll earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed online for bonuses or converted into comps for rooms restaurants at more than over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. Try the one-game parlay today. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years of age or older to wager. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada or Mississippi. One game parlay not available in Washington, D.C. 
Welcome back to the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. And it's time to talk with our man, Will Hill, VEASAN's own Will Hill. Of course, you can find his work in Point Spread Weekly. Hear him on a regular basis here on the Lombardi Line. And, of course, the New York City cast, Mr. Will Hill. You're pumping that out a few times a week now. And no shortage of information as far as uh, the New York area there, the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers with uh, Ben Simmons and James Harden trade trading places over there. Have you done that? Have you covered that topic? And from a betting perspective on the city cast yet, Will? Brady, it's nice to see you. It's been a while. Uh, I have. I just think, you know, the Nets, they're probably headed for a playing scenario. Um, you know, they're eighth right now, and I just don't see a scenario. Durant's out. Simmons is out. You only get Kyrie for half the games. Uh, even when Durant and Simmons come back, they're not going to play him 40 minutes a night every night. So that means, you know, home games, you're not going to have Kyrie. There's going to be nights where you don't have Durant. You don't have Simmons. They're probably headed for the playing. And uh, is that a death sentence? No. If they get out of the play and they might be, you know, favorite even with, with just about anybody they play, but uh, it's going to be a tough road. And, you know, it's funny just from a, a pure handicapping standpoint, this is nothing political, but just from a pure handicapping standpoint, I don't know that the Nets can win a title unless the vaccine mandate in New York is lifted. I don't know with only half of Kyrie with Harden, not in the picture anymore, who knows what, what you're going to get from Simmons. Now look, Durant's, you know, maybe the best player in the league and he's Superman. Maybe he can carry them to a title, but it's going to be hard with, with only Kyrie playing half the games uh, for this team to win it all. It, it really, you know, you think about it, they played 16 games together last, uh, last year and this year combined, they killed the Celtics. They were burying the bucks then it all kind of fell apart it really just didn't work with the big three well, Will, uh, speaking of the Celtics and the 76ers, they will not have James Harden tonight. He is uh, nursing a hamstring injury and will be out through the All-Star break. But you've got to play on those Boston Celtics in Philadelphia tonight. Yeah, I took Boston. They've been really red hot. They play great defense. Uh, you know, they're kind of a sleeper here in the East. I don't know if they can get all the way to the finals, but maybe they can win a round. Maybe they could win a two, win two if all things, you know, go right for them. Uh, you know, they got rid of Enos Cantor, Freedom. They got rid of Schroeder, brought in Derek White. So they've really been playing lockdown defense. And, you know, Philly, no Harden. And even when they get Harden back, uh, look, you might have two of the 10 or 12 best players in the league, depending on what kind of mood Harden's in. So it'll all work out. But there's still some questions with Philly in terms of transition defense and bench defense. They're actually going to miss Drummond more than people might think. Uh, and shooting. They don't really have a lot of shooters. You know, uh, Maxi, other than that, you know, Thibel, they got a lot of one-way players. They don't have great wing defenders. So uh, a, a lack of shooting, especially with no Harden tonight, I think will be an issue against Boston. I like Boston. And uh, this is kind of a sneaky big game, too, for anyone with division bets, uh, seeding purposes. Because if Philly were to win the game tonight, they're four games clear in the loss column of anyone in that division, which is is going to be huge. You know, that as much as the NBA regular season can drag on, the Eastern playoffs are going to be a lot of fun. You know, if we can ever get a net Sixers playoff series, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, the East is pretty good this year, so I'm excited for it. Well, uh, at the top here, we were talking about the NBA, of course, in New York City. But New York City also home to some great college basketball. And we'll have the Big East Tournament right there at Madison Square Garden in about three weeks. And the two top teams in the Big East actually meet tonight. It is Providence, 11-1 in the league. Villanova, 12-3. They've kind of put some distance between the rest of the Big East. And Villanova laying four and a half on the road to Providence, who's 21-2. And, and look, Providence, I think you have to 
say that they've at least had some luck. If you look at those Ken Palm luck numbers, they are number one in the country. But this is a team, Ed Cooley and his guys, find a way to win close games. Are you liking the home dog tonight? Providence getting four and a half against the Villanova Wildcats. Yeah, I, I do like Providence. I'm going to take the points. You you mentioned regression is coming at some point for Providence, but I think that's more than built into this number here. Uh, these teams are familiar with each other, and you know, Big East basketball doesn't feel like Big East basketball anymore with realignment, but this right. is one matchup where it's kind of a throwback. It kind of does feel like the Big East. Uh, these teams are familiar with each other. The coaches are familiar with each other. I could see a low-scoring kind of a rock fight. Uh, wouldn't be opposed to an under, but to me, four and a half uh, is a touch high. I'm going to take Providence here, even though I know regression is probably coming uh, at some point this year. Two more meetings, by the way, for uh, Villanova to try and catch Providence here. Obviously, the first yeah. one being tonight, catch them atop the Big East Conference. Uh, Wes and I were just talking about this one, Will. Cincinnati and Memphis. Cincinnati catching points against the Tigers tonight. And my first reaction when I looked at this game is a possible letdown spot for Memphis, who comes off of that big win over Houston just over the weekend. And it looks like you're headed that way as well. Yeah, same thought process, same reasoning. Uh, I, I tear down the goalpost kind of win at Houston. Uh, they, you know, they maybe they've turned their season around. They won four or five in a row here. But to me, Cincinnati off a bad loss against Tulsa uh, at home, getting points. This is a good spot. Like you said, a letdown spot here for Memphis. I still don't totally buy into that team. So uh, I'll take Cincy here plus three. I think this line's a bit of an overreaction to Memphis playing pretty well lately. Yeah, well, we were talking about that in the last segment. It's like, okay, this is going to determine what the Tigers are going to be. Do you trust them going forward? We know they're capable of good basketball. Penny Hardaway, we know he can recruit. They they have a lot of five-star guys on that roster, but they've kind of been at each other's throats, and the coach has been at their throats, and they've been at the coach as well, so you never really know, so I'm kind of with you, actually, on this uh, spot from that perspective. Uh, well, uh, let's talk a little golf. Brady, of course, is, is here, and we're going to be doing long shots later today. Uh, Genesis Invitational at Riviera Country Club in Los Angeles, California. Will, where are you going, or do you have anybody that you like? I know you and I matched up on Tom Hoagie a couple weeks ago at Pebble Beach, as as did uh, Mr. Cannon here. So uh, what's the uh, winner this week here at the Genesis? And you hit Scheffler last week, right? You, yes. you were on Scotty Scheffler? Wow, yes. you're on a roll. Uh, hopefully you're with me here. Sam Burns has a little unfinished business. He was really playing well in this tournament last year, was leading pretty late on Sunday. Uh, I believe it had a five-stroke lead at one point. It was really tearing this course up. Let it get away. He finished third. But to me, this is a good buy low spot on Burns. I think he's going to win plenty of tournaments here. 40 to 1 is a good price. Uh, remember, he had the, that stretch last year where he finished first, finished second, back-to-back -back, uh, tournaments, back-to-back -back starts at least for him. So uh, Burns at 40 to 1 I think is an interesting one. I'm also looking at Finau, who uh, finished second here last year. Remember it was a playoff between Homa and Finau. Um, Burns finished a stroke back. So Burns, Finau will be a couple of the guys I'm looking at. And of course, I'm not uh, not above copying off your guys' paper. I'll check out long shots and, and see what you guys have to say. <laughs> That's funny that you mentioned Burns and Finau. I played a matchup last week in Phoenix with Sam Burns over Tony Finau, and it just barely got there. Burns didn't make a birdie all day, but finally made one, I believe, on the 15th hole. He ended up missing the cut, but did beat Tony Finau. And, and does that worry you at all, Will? Because both of those those guys, Finau and Burns, missed the cut. Finau really hasn't been in great form, it seems like, uh, all year long to start this new season. Uh, and Burns, I, I was on him not only in that matchup. I had a futures ticket for him to go ahead and win in Phoenix. But uh, do you, maybe he was focused on that near miss last year at Riviera all week long. <laughs> 
Yeah, certainly it's a concern. Usually I try to, you know, tend towards players that have been playing a little better recently. But again, I think uh, you're getting a little bit of a better price. I think that's built into the number. So uh, at, at 40 to one, I'm not sure if, you know, I think it's 50 to one. I think both those guys uh, are, are worth a shot. But like you mentioned, not not playing the best, but you know, Burns, Burns has the upside. I think Burns is going to win plenty of tournaments. Matt Humans, by the way, also on Sam Burns this week. He Let's gave those out on Follow the Money this morning. You'll get Matt's full card on Long Shots later uh, today with uh, Brady and myself. And uh, I think Tony Fee now also might be on my card. He's drifted up, kind of a slow start to the season, but this could be a good course for him, Brady. Yeah, Will, the uh, Long Shots crew, awful hot. Uh, Matt Humans also had Scotty Scheffler in Phoenix last week. Uh, you and I, of course, uh, and Wes had Tom Hoagie at Pebble, but uh, I, I think that's, what, four out of the first six tournaments in 2022 that the Long Shots crew has posted And I winner. love, Brady, that we have incorporated everybody into this. Not only us, but Will Hills killing it on golf, Matt Brown, Jeff Seeley, who joins on Follow the Money. So we've got a great group of uh, golf guys right now here at Visa and and will add it to the mix. Are you doing and we uh, avoided talking? Oh, sorry. We avoided talking about Indiana. I didn't want to beat up on West. They haven't been playing well. They've lost three and So we avoided that. So <laughs> we'll get to that in the next segment. Will have you uh, included the golf on your New York city cast as well? Will a little bit. Yeah. I'll throw out a, a few picks here and there. I'm trying to, you know, balance it, get a feel for what the audience likes, but yeah, sure. I mean, try to get people interested in golf because you know, I really got into it during the pandemic. It's a lot of fun. As you guys know, you guys can hit these long shots, you know, within a couple of days, it's not like you have to wait for the super bowl where you're, you're sweating your bed out for six months. So it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Check out the New York city cast from Will Hill. Check him out on Twitter at not the Will Hill. Thank you, Will so much. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. See you, Wes. Nice seeing you, BK. Appreciate you guys. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Hour number one of the Lombardi Live. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 